Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. But I've just been a little bit frustrated dealing with a little frustration and anxiety. And I'm going to ask the question now, but I'm going to come back and ask it again and share a couple things particularly related to this. But how many of you would admit you've also been frustrated or anxious about something? It could be anything, but just show of hands. I think, yeah, one amen up there, okay. But that is a part of life, so I think, number one, we can all relate and understand that. But lately, I've just been frustrated and anxious, and it's nothing bad, um, not necessarily one thing in particular. I just think life happens, right? So sometimes you go through things, and, and for us, uh, one of the ways I would say it is, is it's been so incredible to be a part of this church, and I truly believe we are a part of a move of God. It's not just the amount of people that are coming, but the, the testimonies and stories, the transformation that is happening, because that is what it's all about, discipleship and healing and miracles and transformation. So we've been seeing so many amazing things, but with the growing church, there comes growing demands, right? And as executive pastor, helping the staff and our team and leading in different ways, it can be a lot. And so it's amazing, but there can also be pressure with any organization, because as I told First Service, church is also a business. Whether, whether you like to think of it that way or not, someone's got to, which Braden does an amazing job leading uh, our finances and different things that we get to play a part with, but somebody's got to build the building, someone's got to do these things. And so there can be this pressure, and if you're not careful, you can feel overwhelmed for different reasons that all of you could relate in your own relationships, businesses, family could be a lot of things. So this is where I've been lately, and, and my wife and I were talking, and she's kind of in a similar place. So I want to back up for just a second. This last week on Tuesday, we, I helped lead our young adult ministry, and we did a citywide night of worship for young adult communities at our office complex. So it was an amazing event where at least three or four, there were actually probably five or six other um, groups that young adult communities from other churches that came to be a part of it. So we packed out our office a couple different teams even helped lead with our team on stage leading worship. So it was this amazing event, and everybody who came was super excited, and God showed up like he always does, and it was one of the coolest worship experiences I've ever been a part of. And that was amazing, but the frustration and anxiety still lasted throughout the night. So, so during this event, I didn't necessarily think about it, but I go back home, and I'm laying in bed, and my wife just begins to tell me, she's like, I'm feeling this, and I'm feeling that, and she just begins to express all the things she's feeling, which can be a lot. <laughs> Ladies, it can be a lot, like a lot more than we feel ever sometimes. I do think it's actually part of the gift, at least I'm believing it is, Jesus. But no, <laughs> it, it, it was all good, and I'm kind of being funny to make a point, but she was just sharing, and it was all legit, and it was all good, and it was all right, and she's just processing what she was feeling. And I just had this thought, I was like, hmm, so Worship didn't get rid of it. And I was thinking, you know, I shared this first service too, but I was just thinking that there have been many times, even in my own life as a pastor, we need Jesus too. We need help. And there have been many times I've walked in on Sunday feeling a frustration, anxiety, something going on, pressure, whatever it is. And as soon as worship starts, it lifts. And the presence of God is there. And I know he's always with me, but it's like it heightens when two or more are gathered and there's just so much power and unity. So amazing things happen in a corporate worship setting. But I feel like God was speaking to me and, and wanting to prove a point that worship isn't how he always wants to do it. And how many of you know worship's an amazing thing? 
But I think God is transitioning us, which I'll share specifically, but he's transitioning us, and this is why I want to challenge our church to transition where Sunday isn't how we get our fix. This side, maybe? No? A few amen. They're scattered. I'll take them. I'll take them. But Sunday isn't how God wants us to get our fix. It's how he wants us to celebrate everything he's been doing. And, and so, but I'll even admit, for me at times, it's been that. But so, so rewind back. Tuesday night, we go home, and it was like worship was amazing. But why are we still feeling this? Why is Lindsay still feeling this? And as she talked, the Lord just reminded me of, of seasons of my life years ago as a young adult where I just laid this foundation of intimacy with God, which is where I want to go today, through prayer. And I just began to think of these times alone in, in my bedroom where I'd be uh, jamming out to worship music on my knees, praying, just trying to figure this thing out, right? No one was telling me how to pray or leading me and all this stuff. My dad was mentoring me in many ways, but I was just going after God. So it made sense to be in his presence and talk to him and worship. And so he reminded me and he spoke to me and he was saying, prayer is what he wants us to grow in. And I just told Lindsay, I was like, okay, so practical example Take everything you're feeling, all the negative emotions, all the frustration, all the anxiety, and form that into a prayer to God. And at first she paused and was kind of like, well, how do I do that or what? And I was like, no, just do it. Just begin to, to talk to him. And she began to pray, and she began to pray and pray and pray and continued on praying. And then as she slowed down, I jumped in and I started praying. And wouldn't you know it, everything negative we felt completely lifted. And God said, this is what I'm after. Why is God after prayer? Because he knows what happens in these one-on-one -on -one settings where we connect with our Father. That it begins to lay a foundation that is absolutely vital and key for the rest of our lives to maintain our relationship with him. It would be foolish of the Father to promote you to a place without a foundation of prayer. He's not foolish. He's not going to do it. And so we've kind of challenged our staff a little bit, and the Lord, and I have, I've led the charge in some ways of trying to hear God through this. And I've said things like, you know, our prayer life in previous seasons isn't going to get us to the next season that God has for us. And we have to embrace something different, and we have to dig our heels in the ground, and we kind of have to, to, to just grow in this. And the Lord just kind of threw it back in my face and was like, uh-huh. And I need you to also. And so he challenged me. And as I prayed that night, it lifted. And God was like, this is what I was after. So notice this picture. The frustration and anxiety we were feeling from different things, none of which in themselves are bad. But that frustration and anxiety didn't go, didn't lift until I prayed. And I think God is challenging and one of the things he, he speaks to me in my heart is just to encourage us. If I'm being honest, I don't think as a group, and some of it's my fault, our fault, leadership, whatever, I don't think we have embraced the concept and the idea of Renew Life Church being a house of prayer. Jesus said, my house will be called the house of prayer. I'm not saying we never pray. <laughs> we obviously pray. I'm just saying I don't think we've put it at the forefront of our minds and embraced it as fully or entirely as we're supposed to. So I want to challenge us this morning the same way God is challenging me, I want to challenge you. 
And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about prayer. I think God requires us to pray. I believe there are certain destinations God will not allow us to arrive at apart from prayer. There are certain bridges you won't cross unless you pray. And certain seasons won't pass until you pray. I think he wants you to develop this foundation. It was first mentioned in Isaiah 56, 7. Isaiah, prophet Isaiah prophesies by the Spirit of God, through the heart of God, that his house will be a house of prayer to all nations. So God is serious about prayer. And then Jesus says that one of the famous passages in Matthew 21 where he shows up at the temple, which is his house, just so you know, what is the house of God? It's the church of God. It's the local church whom which we are all individual body parts, and Jesus is the head. So that is what the local church should look like. He's the head. We all play a part. And so his house will be called the house of prayer. So he shows up at the temple back in the day, and they're, they're, they're at the temple, at the church, trying to make money. People have booths and things set up, and they're trying to make money. So Jesus shows up and flips the table over, makes this dramatic scene. He says, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And so he's just communicating his heart. It's pretty serious, pretty dramatic at times, but he's trying to encourage us to lay this foundation of prayer where his house will be a house of prayer. Okay, so circle back when I ask you the question again. How many of you currently feel some level of frustration or anxiety in your life for whatever reason. You have to tell me the issues. Don't scream out the issues. Man. Just kidding. So do it one more time. How many of you feel a cur- currently fr- a frustration or anxiety? So most of the people in the room, ask this first service, most of the people in the room. I would just like to say probably everybody. <laughs> and if you don't now, you have before. If you don't now, you will sometime. It, life just happens. It doesn't mean God is doing all these bad things. He doesn't do that. But life happens. So we feel these things. So I want to tell you two things. If you're currently frustrated or anxious, number one is this. The negative emotions you're experiencing are not the problem. The feelings you're having, the pressure, the tension, frustration, anxiety, within itself, not the problem. It is a manifestation, but I want to encourage you, it actually might be the Lord. So many times we think if it's negative, we're like, oh my God, the devil's after me. Satan's after me. My husband's after me. He is Satan. Ah. <laughs> See, I mean, I, you like that, ladies? I made it the guy this time. I know sometimes I. But we do. We make it the enemy or we make it people as if God doesn't apply pressure to us to help us grow. So the point isn't like, oh my God, we, we just look at like, where's this coming from and how's this all happening? What if we just go, okay, I'm feeling something. What do I do now? How do I grow in this? What is it God is trying to lead me to? If you have a mature perspective in these seasons, God will lead you. So number one, the negative emotions you're experiencing are not the problem. Can I just throw this in? It's a quick side note. But I shared this with a friend and I I could see how much fruit it had. And I just believe this. It, It is a side note. I actually don't believe when you're in Christ and you've accepted Jesus, there's anything such as a demonic dream. I don't even think it, I do not think you can call a dream where you experience spiritual attack or the enemy in a dream demonic because when you're in Christ, God reveals the enemy's plan. Come on. But we do that. We're like, oh, the enemy's after me. And God's like, I know, and I'm showing you what he's doing so you can win. But it's like, oh, no, I just had this demonic dream and the enemy's after me and all. Newsflash, he's after everyone. I don't mean that to make you feel bad. It's just perspective, right? 
negative emotions you're experiencing are not the problem. And number two, there's a solution. There's a way out. Every plan, every, every obstacle, every challenge God has a plan for. He's the God of redemption. He sees it before it ever comes. So he has a plan before you ever realize it. And he has a way out. And in this situation, I believe probably every single person in this room, you can apply this. The answer is prayer. I was talking to another friend this week, and he was just telling me symptoms he was feeling and experiencing and chest pain and different things like that. And God even uses him to give him words of knowledge a lot. And I've seen it, and he's been in ministry, and God will speak to him, and he'll feel something that is like, it would be like if I walked up here and I started feeling like a tingling in my right hand. That's how God gives words of knowledge sometimes. It's like a body impression, and you're like, is anybody in here dealing with uh, right hand pain? Probably someone is right now. Anybody? I'm just kidding. But probably. <clears throat> but anyways, it's like God does that. And so he was feeling this pressure, but it didn't go away. And he called me and was like, you know, do you have any idea? And actually, Steve-O even had a prophetic dream that related to it and uh, just shared it in this, uh, at the night of worship. And it all tied together. But the point is, so many times that is obvious. That's stress. And it's pressure. And it is the enemy. It actually is the enemy applying this pressure and trying to, to get you to buy into lies and doubts and fear and all that stuff. And you actually have the opportunity to submit to him and believe it. And give in, and then when you do, you embrace it, and there's this pressure. But anyways, he was feeling it, and I just began to talk to him about prayer. And I was like, dude, this is, the Lord is in this, bro. Like, don't, don't get all worked up, and don't embrace it as like the enemy's got you. It's like, no, 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 God is revealing the enemy's pressure in your life so that you can win. So I was like, just, just embrace it. Understand that, that, that God is in this, and now ask God, what does he want to do? And I think he wants us to establish a stronger foundation in prayer. And here's a key. This is a big key. I actually believe there's a right way to pray and there's a wrong way to pray. You know, honestly, when I, I don't know, maybe till, till extremely recently, I don't know if I actually even ever processed that. Because I would tell people things like, dude, you got a lot of anger. You know you can take that to God. Like, you, you can, I, and I firmly believe this. I'm not discrediting any of that. If you're frustrated, anxious, like, look at David. He was always like, Lord, I'm going to die. I don't know what's going on. I love you, though, but I don't, I'm going to die. It's like, you can, you can take it all to God. He can handle all of it. He knows what you're going through already. It's like he's not surprised. But here's the thing. I, it's, I do believe that's true. I just don't think it's prayer. I think you're just talking to God. You're venting, you're sharing your frustrations. But here, here's where I want to go. I do believe there's a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray because there are so many specific scriptures on prayer. If there was just a couple general scriptures, it's like, get after it. Just go talk to God. Cry me a river, whatever, I don't know. Like the, but God gets specific, and there's even, I'll start with one that is the Apostle Paul, but then go into a couple scriptures Jesus shares. So Philippians 4, 6 through 7, which I share a lot. If you've grown up in church, you've probably heard this. But Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which, sur which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. So I've taught on this. I even teach on it around Thanksgiving because it's such a cool theme to talk about during Thanksgiving, that Thanksgiving is a heartbeat of prayer. So if you pray to God without a thankful heart, it's not really true biblical, scriptural prayer. 
You might be talking to God. He's not mad at you. But I'm just saying there are scriptures like this that begin to teach us. If you are anxious and you're dealing with anxiety, you are doing what the Bible tells you not to do. It doesn't mean he's mad at you. He's not even frustrated. He just wants to help you. That's why he's allowing you to feel the frustrations and the anxiety so that he can push you to the truth of prayer. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're feeling, you can find something to be thankful for. And if you can't, ask somebody to find it for you. You just go after it and let that be a foundation. So you're not supposed to be anxious, but by everything, by prayer and supplication. And supplication means asking humbly. So, so you pray with humility and thanksgiving, completely dependent upon God as Father and you being a child. So Matthew 6 and Mark 11, I'm gonna read. Matthew 6 is the Lord's Prayer, verse 7 through 15. This is Jesus himself talking about prayer. And we share, you know, the Lord's Prayer, we share a lot. Um, if you've grown up in church, you've heard that for sure. But 7 through 15, it says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. So if you think it's about a bu- saying a bunch of words and every single thing you feel like you have to get out, like, that doesn't have to be prayer. He knows what you need before you ask him. Like, so the pressure to say a bunch of stuff, you don't have to feel that. So don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father. Once again, it always starts with your position and your identity in Him. As a son, as a daughter, completely dependent, humility. I don't know, but you do. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So this is a great model, a great scripture. It's not like a formula you have to do every single day, but you should read this and embrace what it's saying. Okay, it's daily. So if I'm worrying about tomorrow, I'm trying to access the grace he hasn't even given me. So you begin to embrace the scripture like, okay, temptation's real, but I know that God's with me and I know that he sees it, so Lord, keep me from temptation. So so just go through it and you break it down, but it's really interesting to me Uh, one of the themes that is highlighted that gets missed a lot. So that is the Lord's Prayer, and most of us stop there, but the end of the chapter doesn't stop there. It goes on, it says this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Dang, Jesus. I'd like to interpret it another way, but I don't really see one. <laughs> Mark eleven twenty three through 25. It's truly I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be taken up, thrown into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it, it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Like, I was reading this, and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, you're talking to me about prayer. I'm trying to encourage our staff and myself, and you're throwing it back in my face, and that's good. I need to grow in prayer, so I need to embrace this. I need to read some scriptures. Why exactly do you keep talking about forgiveness? So I'm trying to learn prayer, right? And these are two major passages in the red letters, which are Jesus himself talking. Yeah, this is how you pray. Also, you know, if you have unforgiveness, like, you really need to deal with that. Oh, okay. 
So if I don't forgive, then you don't, wait. So I have to forgive, so it's really about me getting to this place, and you've already You've obviously already forgiven me because you died over 2,000 years ago on the cross, but I guess I have to embrace it. If I don't forgive others, I guess I'm not really embracing your forgiveness in my life. Mm. You can't give what you don't receive. He's already forgiven you, obviously. But he's like, this is a big deal. You have to forgive people. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, your prayers are ineffective. guess I can try to find some other scriptures on prayer. I don't know. This is what he's saying. I think it's easy to skip over. Look, I believe. I could, you could preach on this for weeks about, about submission and asking and humility and thanksgiving and positioning yourself where he's a father. And we, we talk about identity a lot because identity is always the foundation. You have to understand your identity in him, that he sees you as perfect because of Jesus, not because of anything you ever do. That is huge. But why does he keep talking about forgiveness? It must be a big deal and it must be a key that he's trying to get the church to embrace so that we can have authority and be effective with our prayer life. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, your prayers are ineffective. In 2009, I I took a job as a coach and teacher at a Christian school in Dallas-Fort Worth. trying to go after God with everything, going to Bible school. I'm like, whatever you want for me, Lord, and and so I was really fired up and really radical. I still am to this day, but I think even more so back then where I was just a little bit nuts. And, uh, but it was fun. And so, but I'm coaching and teaching at Christian school. I'm young, I'm single, and, you know, so I have a lot of time to invest in kids and discipling a lot of kids. And so I would lead Bible studies during the week. You know, they had church group, youth groups, but I would pick different days to do Bible studies and kind of as a coach just to, to challenge them, encourage them. And so we had some really amazing times and amazing groups and there was this one kid that I was discipling, and I would help, I would give him rides to, uh, we'd go to Christ for the Nations and worship nights and all this stuff, and this kid was dealing with major depression and anxiety, and I was seeing him get free. I was sharing things about Holy Spirit and God, and he's just embracing God in a bigger way, in a deeper way, and God's wrecking his life, but I, I shared this video with, with my students. I taught health class, and I even taught a Bible class, and I shared this video with students that talked about music and the negative influences of music. And I think some of it, you could be a little religious, hardcore, and take things to an extreme, um, where it's like, I don't listen to any secular music, that's not worship, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I think that's extreme, but there are these scenarios where it's like the, the first major school shooting that I know of, like in our, I don't know what, last 20 years or something, was Columbine. And the kids who did the shooting at Columbine were literally listening to music where the words of the song were about killing kids in a courtyard. Right, so it's like, doesn't take rocket science, like, that is fruit from what you are receiving. So they were listening to worship, worldly worship or music that was, that was motivating them. So I believe it's true, now I do agree you could go hardcore with some of it, but I was just sharing with kids and the kids are like, just chunking their CDs and getting rid of all their music. I'm like, you might could keep a few of those, but I was like, I don't know, whatever, yeah. If you have, just get rid of it, I guess. And so the, this kid's mom ends up calling the school, and she's, like, freaking out. She's like, he's just going nuts and getting rid of all this stuff. And I'm like, well, I didn't tell him to get rid of all of it, but he's getting rid of all this stuff. So she calls the superintendent and basically tells on me. And, and she's, like, uh, she's like, you know, Josh is crazy, and now my kid's, like, all this stuff, and yada, yada, yada. The superintendent calls me in, and he's like, I, he's like, I know what you're doing. He's like, I just wanted 
to tell you so you are aware. He's like, I don't have a problem with anything. I love you. You're doing a great job. I was like, sweet. But how many of you know I walked out of that office and I had a decision to make? I was going to be hurt, offended, and mad at her, or I could do something different and maybe, I don't know, pray. So I left the office and the Lord just spoke to me and he was like, yeah, you're a little bit hurt because you love this kid. You're trying to help her. You are literally helping her physically, like time-wise, I was giving more time to him than anybody in his life. So I'm like, I'm mad. I'm like hurt. I'm like, how can she, like who does she, what? And I'm processing and the Lord just spoke to me and he's like, why don't you pray and see what happens? And I was like, I don't actually want to do that. So no. For a little bit, but I was like, okay. So I was at my house and I was like, I know the Lord's speaking to me. And so I just began to pray. And as soon as I began to pray, it was like Jesus when he says, come to me. It was like he began to take me higher and show me where he was seated in heavenly places already praying for me. And he took me up and I was like, I kind of see things differently when I start to pray for her instead of just complain, which we like to call praying. And I was like, I need to see. He's like, you need to see she loves him more than you do. She loves her kid. The reason she's mad is because she wants him free. I was like, wait, we want the same thing. Yeah, yeah, so we want the same thing. It's probably the right heart in her, but the wrong decision. Happens a lot. Great principle to apply to your life, actually. He begins to teach me and show me things because I pray. I begin praying. He shifted my perspective. I begin to have grace for her and a heart for her. It was just like, look, this isn't about me. This is about her blaming someone for the negative things she sees in her kid because she hasn't been taught that the enemy's real. And so he begins to teach me, and I was just like, okay. And I started to pray. Everything begins to shift. While I'm praying, this I cannot make this up. While I'm praying, she calls me on the phone crying, asking for help. How does that? I'm the same guy that's crazy didn't change that showed her the stuff but something shifted in her because I had a thought this is huge I had authority in the spirit realm because I dealt with unforgiveness I could have been bitter hurt and complained and called it prayer but I shifted my heart decided to be mature and pray for someone love for your enemies I begin to do that something shifted in me and then it positioned me with Jesus and gave me authority to release something spiritually in her life and she asked me for help and God gave me wisdom and revelation to share with her and help her son you can't have unforgiveness and partner with God because the whole point of prayer is partnership with God Heaven for heaven. 
enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.